On this episode of One Team, One Podcast, we will talk a little LSU football and the addition this week of Jabril Cox. We will go over Will Wade's appearance on the HBO special, The Scheme, and we will have another edition of LSU Rewind, and it all starts right now. All right, let's get started here on One Team, One Podcast. Jack, how you doing today? I'm all right. Good. Well, I mean, we... Every day is the same. Oh, man, this has been a wild week. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm not... Um, I feel like I'm out of, the, out of the loop with LSU sports, but really I'm not because there's just none there's to nothing. begin with. There's nothing <laughs> so, to be in the loop on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know... All right, so this past week... Um, the big news, I guess, was – I think the biggest news is Will Wade and the scheme, mm-hmm. right, yeah. on HBO. We'll talk about that a little bit. But then also uh, Jabril Cox uh, transferred from North, North Dakota State. Yep. I was just telling you right before we started recording that, yeah, I guess we can talk about Jabril Cox because it was the only thing going on. But um, is this, like, the biggest deal ever? I, I think he's a really good player. And it's no offense to this guy, but, like, on a regular offseason, we would be like – having a whole, you know, segment on this guy. <laughs> I actually, Every sports show. <laughs> I mean, I actually really think he's very good, honestly. And, like, if you look at – I know Mike Tillier has said before that he thinks that he would have been a second-round pick if he would have gone pro this year. So, that tells me he skipped the NFL draft to – have one more year. Have one more year right. and try to get himself to be a first round pick. So potentially this is a you're adding a first round linebacker to your defense. I mean, that's huge. Yeah, and I think I mean for LSU, I mean their weakness on defense was linebacker. So yeah. an addition like this to solidify is is great. Um I'd still love the young guys that we had as line you know on the on the depth chart. Who specifically? Well, Damone Clark, I think, is going to be a beast, especially think, yeah, as a middle I linebacker. Um, I like the fact that they're moving guys in like Devontae Lee yeah. that they couldn't find the field on, you know, on right. offense. Like, those are studs. Um, Marcel Brooks also moving to inside linebacker. Inside linebacker. Like, so this guy's obviously going to play inside linebacker, Cox. Yeah. Um, I think you got to find the field for Marcel Brooks. He's going to have to play outside. Yeah, they'll find something for him. There's um, no way he's not going to see the field. Yeah, I just see him as outside. I don't see him as an inside linebacker unless. I, yeah, I agree. He does have speed to like kind of play like a rover, if that's where you want to put him. I mean, I think it's just to. it's tough to figure out where to put him. The in guy a came in as a safety playing defensive end, like basically last year. Um, I mean, they called it an outside linebacker, but all he was was a rush D end. Right. Well, the outside linebacker in the 3-4 is just so much different from the outside linebacker in the 4-3. Yeah, and that's why I think there's still going to be multiple. I like I yeah I think I this kind of goes like the Jarrell Cox thing. It, it it almost opens the door up again for us to start talking about depth chart and like um, how we're gonna line up in different in different sets on defense now, 
and I think it gives them a lot more options. And I know Polini loves that like good yeah. middle linebacker, right? And I, I mean, I think I think it's a good fit. I just agree again. I'm like, Polini like just the loves deal? having speed on his defense. And yeah, that's all. All of these linebackers just speed, speed, speed. I mean, Jabril Cox is. Uh, have you seen his highlights? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I well, you you open up his like junior highlights or whatever that was, um, and it starts off with three pick sixes. So just right off the bat, just showing off of his uh, his coverage skills, and he's burning. Dudes, like, I did watch a little bit of North Dakota State um, this past year, and I do know. I mean, I didn't. I didn't know who he was or anything like that, mm-hmm. but I knew their defense was stout, and their run defense was really good. Um, but that's it. That's all I knew. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, like, and I'm like, okay, great. Yeah, good yeah. deal. Good yeah. addition, I guess. I I, th- I think it's going to be actually pretty massive. Um, I don't think he comes here if. He doesn't think he's going to get instant playing time. And I don't think we go after him if we don't think that we need him to get instant playing time. Right. No, I agree with that. And I think he – I was listening to this on another show. I think he ended up having a choice that he had to make pretty quickly because of everything that was going on. He didn't have a chance to go visit schools. Uh, he was entered into the portal, right. and it was like – you have to just make it – this is one of – I think this is one of those situations where everything that happened, uh, the guys that are in the portal um, that hadn't made a decision yet kind of got screwed a little bit. But, yeah. um, I mean, I can't blame the kid for coming here. Um, yeah. I mean, he's going to – probably an instant starter. I think Damone Clark still has something to say about that a little bit. But um, – I, I think they can – they can uh, coexist. I agree. I mean, I, I don't see that there is one set middle linebacker on our roster. Maybe this kid is Cox, but I, I could see Damone Clark. He's fast. Um, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't see where he was just like, okay, he's the prototypical middle linebacker. I mean, yeah. and no, my, I, I know all the other guys move around like he seems Starks, like, Baskerville. All these other guys can go all over the place on the defense. Yeah, he se- Cox seems like another guy who you can move him in several different spots and he can be just fine starks barely i mean he's barely had any time forget about dante Starks. i know everybody does and i'm like okay well hold on like Mm -hmm. i think this is going to be another stud and then you also have two pretty highly rated true freshmen coming in with uh antoine sampa and josh white okay josh white i definitely have heard of a little bit more than sampa but um yeah i mean i think you're gonna have depth i I think they're just a little young the depth looks good now I think. Yeah, especially when you add a guy like this where exactly. he's like comes right in. He's exactly. Because now, now you're looking at like Baskerville and like it was like, okay, he's going to have to start this year. Yeah. Now yeah. he's a, more of a role player guy who comes in every so often and gives you good snaps. Well, who do you, you think know? your starting linebackers are? Do you have – you don't have – I don't feel like you have I would go, set guys. So if, it's a, if, you, if you're going three linebackers, which you're probably – I mean – I guess that's what you were what we're doing. Uh, I'd say the starting three would be Cox, Damone Clark, and Marcel Brooks. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Um, I mean, I think you have to have Marcel Brooks on the field. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, it's obnoxious to have him on the sidelines and to have guys like Baskerville Lee. I'm just I don't know what it is, but I have this like thought of Devonte Lee finding his. Oh, I completely his, agree. I mean, he just found his position yes. now. 
Like, and I've never seen him play a snap in this mm-hmm. position, but there's just some kind of confidence I have in this kid. I, I, agree, I agree with that. <laughs> I, I've never seen him play linebacker. It reminds me but. of, uh, all right, when they moved, Devin White came here as a, um, and I'm not trying to compare this kid to Devin White. Same with um, uh, Kendall Beckwith. They came here, like Devin White Kendall was Beckwith a. Beckwith was an offensive player? Uh, Kendall Beckwith was a quarterback in high school. Really? And then he was a. Um, I think he was more like a either a defensive end linebacker role in uh, more like a linebacker in high school as well. But he came here and he was a defensive end when he started, and everybody was like, "Who was the who was the kid that we ended up benching to put in?" And everybody's like, "Come on, put Kendall Beckwith in yeah, at I linebacker." It was uh, DJ Welter. Kept DJ playing. Welter, that's and him. Me and my friend Andy, we would always be so pissed when DJ Welter was in. Yeah, and he would it's always like, give up these scores because he was so slow. Like, please put Kendall Beckwith in at middle linebacker, yes. and like give it a rest with uh-huh. Welter. I, I don't know what the the love affair was with that, but it was, it was like a seniority thing. That was less miles. Oh man, it was it was very frustrating mm-hmm. because you have a stud and yeah. eventually you get to see it. Like right. finally they put him in place and he never right. he never gives it up again. Mm-hmm. But then Devin White was a big running back out of high school and I think they they had a thought of him maybe playing running back at at one point, but then when he came in it was like, Okay, you need to play linebacker. Well, and you just, know he's just gonna be a stud linebacker. It just made so much sense at that time too, because you had Leonard Fournette and Darius Geis and Darrell Williams and I mean, at the time, we thought Nick Brissett was going to be good. Um, oh yeah, right. So yeah, I still Devin, think Devin White would have been a great running back. Oh, but. I completely agree. <laughs> I would have loved to see him get goal line carries. Oh man, he always was asking Aranda if he could do it. I thought he was. I thought he was going. I thought they were going to let him in at the yeah, end of his career. I really wanted to see him do that. I know. <laughs> well, yeah. So I think linebacker is getting is pretty short up. Um, I mean, I just I just have a lot of confidence in. Uh, the young guys, and honestly, I have a lot of confidence in Bo Pelini, and I, th- I think we had talked about that a few weeks ago. Where maybe it's me. I, I don't know if there's a, there's other people out there that have some bad thoughts of Bo Pelini, but I think he's actually really good at this. Um, I think putting him in as a defensive coordinator role is perfect for Bo Pelini. Yeah. I think head coach. He, I think he was okay. He was decent, like numbers wise, with yeah. as a head coach. He, he but did fine as a head coach. <clears throat> I think defensive coordinator is where it's at for this yes. guy. Like he is made as he's a, a defensive coordinator. Defensive coordinator in my opinion. I agree. I don't think he should ever leave it because he's making more money here than he was Although, <laughs> as a head coach. Now that we're on, now that we're talking about that, actually, I mean, maybe he wants to go back to being a head coach, and because you know he never had a season. In seven years, he never had a season under nine wins at Nebraska. He just couldn't get along with the athletic department. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what he wants to do. I don't know. Not sure either. I mean, I, I it would make I, sense to me. Yeah, I just don't think anybody's going to take a shot on him. I don't know what it is. I think it's more of like he just comes off as not like polished um, yeah. when he's when he's talking, like mm-hmm. like the way he dresses. Stuff like that. I, I think, like, you'll wear a hoodie and he looks a little, mm-hmm. like, you know, he's unkept got that, up. Uh, that kind of Belichick look, doesn't he? A little bit. Um, I don't little. think he's – yeah, he's, he, he hasn't gained the respect as Belichick has right. to, like, wear a cutoff hoodie right. yet. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's like, okay, that guy's a genius. Belichick he can do whatever he wants. like a homeless guy, right. and yet he's, like, the most renowned coach in the NFL. That's right. So, okay, so we had the Jabril Cox um, – and then uh, the other big news was Will Wade on the scheme. Um, and I got a lot of interesting thoughts on this. So 
I know, um, you know, there's no new developments, obviously. It was just basically the transcript was finally the voice. You could hear it over the, over the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, same stuff that we've heard before. Um, Strong-ass offer. Uh, talking about Javante Smart. Um, I think the best parts were actually from Sean Miller, yeah. who, when they were talking about Will Wade, was saying how big his balls are. <laughs> like, I just – dude, I I maybe I'm taking this a little bit differently than everybody else is. Everybody else I, – I think some people were maybe – I don't know if people were thinking that something else was going to come out of this, but, like, I think it was pretty well known that this is all they got is right. just tapes. The, the fact that the only uh, things that we heard in the documentary were the things that were rumored last year – Mm-hmm. that were said like all the yahoo stuff about uh like all the quote-unquote tapes that they transcripts that they released that's that's all that there actually was there was nothing else that yeah and I, I don't see any i mean i i don't think lsu is in a place to do anything with this and honestly i think this just needs to be left alone and it is what it is kind of situation because we all know what's going on. Like, we all know what's happening, right? Like, we're just playing by the same rules as everybody else is, and we're the new guy coming in that has big balls that's offering kids (laughs) maybe more than some of these other teams are, and they're getting pissed off, namely Calipari probably. Yeah. Um, He's probably running his mouth to Pat Forty, his friend. Yeah, I remember that room. And Dick Vitale. That Calipari was the one who – kind of ratted the whole thing out. Yeah, because I think you wanted Javante Smart originally. Yeah. So, whatever. Like, if you don't want to – if you don't – we're all playing by the same quote-unquote rules where, like, we're paying players just like everybody else is. I mean, if you if you think that we're not, like, you're you're just ignorant to this yeah, whole just, thing. You're intentionally not paying attention and, like, you're just – uh, for some reason, you're just denying everything, even though it's sitting right in front of your face. So this was supposed to be all damning to Will Wade and all that, that there's tapes and, like, allegations and stuff like that. My thought is Will Wade comes out of this looking like a stud. <laughs> like, he is the big bad guy coming and wrecking shit is basically what the way my thought is. And um, I heard a guy talking about this, like – if you were a player, like coming out of high school, and you you watch this documentary, don't you don't you check out LSU a little bit? Yes. Like, isn't this a positive? Yes. I, I think it's a positive. Everybody's paying players, right? Yes. And this guy is like the American gangster, yeah. Will Wade. Uh-huh. Like, dude, I, I I think this is a positive, and I think it's a win for LSU, uh-huh. and I think they need to treat it as such. If they try to like come out and do some sort of um, investigation. I think it's all for PR purposes. I don't think it has anything to do with what's really going on. I think Scott Woodward is smart enough to know that this is the way you have to operate to win a, to have a winning basketball team in college these days. Yeah. Um, and until, I mean, what is the NCAA just going to um, punish the guys who, who got caught? Is that what the plan is? Um, but my other thing is, the, the mistake that he did make 
and Sean Miller made the exact same mistake is that these they're dealing with these guys directly instead of having an assistant coach do it like yeah. the other schools were. That's what Kansas is doing. That's why Bill Self. Louisville same way. Yeah. Bruce Pearl same way. Yeah, Bruce Pearl. That's the way. That's Rick why Barnes. Bruce Pearl still got a job and uh, Chuck Persons in jail. Uh, I don't know if he's still in jail, but I know he got arrested. And it's like, goodness, you don't think Bruce Pearl had something to do with this? Uh, I guarantee that whole situation is way seems way dirtier than what we're doing. Too. Oh, I guarantee you it is. Yep. I mean, Bruce Pearl's not an idiot. He knows how to, to get guys. Um, and it's just the world we operate in. Mm-hmm. Um, do they need to do something about it? Maybe. But, like, this has been going on. I mean, we were talking about this the other day. This has been going on for decades. Right. Um, well, so I don't, we don't need to get into this discussion right now, but one of the solutions would be let players make money off of their, how much money I, I was thinking about this the other day too. I, I've heard that comment about, yeah, if you, if you let players make money, um, you're paying Deontay eight and what was it? 250 grand to come to, um, like to that. Arizona. Is he going to make that much? I, I don't think the money has to – people always get caught up with, like, okay, so why do, why do the colleges have to pay these players these salaries? I don't think that. I don't – because they're already paying them their scholarship money and all that, and, like, most schools are barely even making a profit off of athletics. So I don't think you have to do that necessarily, but, I mean, just allow them to – if, you know, Toyota wants to have DeAndre Ayton in their commercial, let them let them do that. Why not? Let me have – NCAA well, what about the shoe companies? Because that's that's what this documentary was about. Was yeah. the shoe companies want to get to these guys early and pay them a little money in mm-hmm. case, and, and then if they turn into LeBron James, right. they got this guy yeah. and they've made a huge investment. I don't see what's wrong with that. I mean, it, it <clears throat> sure, it, but it like it allows teams to it allows these companies to do shady stuff, but like at least it's all out in the open, you know. I, I I kind of agree, and I, I just I just feel like we just need to leave it alone and like let it just keep going for the sake of college basketball. Um, I mean, I actually, what if they did this and they actually made it to where guys had to stay for three years, and you allowed them to get paid in college? Mm-hmm. Think how a good college basketball would be if they did this. Like the guys that leave early now, they were one and doneers. That maybe they stick around. Um, I mean, I'm sure a lot of those guys don't care about going to school and going to class. I think that would be your problem, but like, cause I mean, I mean, jumping off of that, we're, we're, um, potentially going to lose Emmett Williams and, uh, who knows who else this year. Yeah. I, we had gotten a question about that, about the depth chart coming up. And I wonder, I'm, I'm actually thinking about this with this show and how it can impact some of the guys that are you know, thinking about leaving if they were or whatever. First, my first thing was, and I think we had talked, me and you have talked about this during the season uh, when we were actually playing basketball was I don't think any of these guys get drafted. No, I agree. First or second round. I don't think any of them's getting drafted. Not without a combine. Um, I agree with that. That's uh, the only one that I can see possibly getting drafted would be Emmett Williams, just because mm-hmm. I think he's a freak and I think yeah. he's good enough to play in right. the NBA. And but, he would test so well at the combine. Too. Yeah. I, yeah, and I think that he's got ability to play in the NBA. Javante Smart. Um, Please I don't, don't go. Please. Just you want him to stick do, around? Do yeah. yourself a favor and don't go pro this year. So does this have anything to do with Javante Smart because his name's getting brought up again? 
And um, if there's a, another like, I hadn't thought about that pseudo investigation that has to come out just to make everything look good. What happens to, to Javante smart? Um, this is eligibility in question again. Mm. Like, is there anything with that? I just don't know the answer to it, but that's the only thing I can think of is maybe that that's a issue coming up. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Maybe he should go pro then. Well, I think, I don't think he, I don't if, think he should if, go pro just because I don't think he's going to make it. Right. But if, if that but, was the basis of his decision, I could respect that. I mean, know? he would be going D league or whatever it's called sure. now and then going to Europe maybe. Sure. Um, I, if, but he doesn't waste a year, potentially. If Tremont Waters isn't playing in the NBA, Javante Smart is not playing in the NBA. Yeah. I think that is a great baseline for these guys to That's think about. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned turning Watford before about maybe leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. It's just it's going to depend on whether or not they're going to have more opportunities to showcase their talents. Because what Trenton Watford has shown so far is not – worthy of being drafted yeah and i think these guys a lot of those guys last year tested the waters and it was especially after wade got in trouble they all went and tested and they can only do that one time right um so they can't go out and do that again so if watford's not able to go do that um i don't think i don't think he can go anywhere i mean the kid cannot play defense to save his life first of all (laughs) no he should be able to he's so long and athletic he is. He's just a freshman. I think that was part of his issue is that he just needs to he just needs to sit and learn a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think he's got great offensive skills for too. a freshman. He could take over games. Well, or sometimes I wanted him to. I wanted – the problem with Trenton Wofford is that he didn't have the ball in his hands a lot of times. And, man, I, I think Skylar Mays was a, a good kid and all that, a mm-hmm. uh, good player, but sometimes he needed to pass the rock. Yeah. And played with his head down a lot. There were a couple of games where Trenton Wofford's just like at the top of the key asking for the ball, and he can definitely take this guy to the hole uh-huh. and just give it to him and get out of your way. Like clear out for Trenton mm-hmm. Wofford. Yeah. Um, and they wouldn't do it sometimes. I felt like, I felt like we should have used Trenton Wofford in like a similar way that like AD is used in the NBA. Where like you just kind of feed him and you let him just kind of chunk up these – shots that you wouldn't typically let someone shoot and he's just going to make like 50% of them, you know? Yeah. I could see that. I mean, I think he was a, I think he was a good mismatch on guys especially yeah, Exactly. If, if he was matched up with a bigger guy, you pull him out of the paint and I think that made a lot of a, di- a lot of difference. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that we were missing this year was we just didn't have a good low post guy like a um yeah, name from last year. Cavell. Why am I drawing? Cavell, yeah. Bigby Williams. William, Bigby Williams. Bigby Williams to me was one of the guys that – I mean, I love yeah. Nazareed. I think Tremont, Tremont Waters and Bigby Williams were like the two biggest – like we missed those guys. Yeah. Bigby Williams was a senior obviously, but, man, what would this team look like with Tremont Waters at point guard? Yeah. Oh, man. And he's not playing in the NBA, which is killing me. Like if you're not going to play, if you're not like – to me – if you're not going to be a number one, like a first round draft choice and get guaranteed money on a roster, why are you? Why but are you going at the out? Same time, how much do you, you think he could have raised his draft stock like a ton this year? He probably could have. I think he could have, um, he could have. especially if they made another run but in the what NCAA else could he tournament. Have done, you know, in college, like. Was there anything in twenty? I mean, I think he was a smaller that I, he didn't do. No, I and to, I agree with all that. I think improved. You know? I mean, he was a sophomore, right? Sure. Like, so he's got two more years. 
I, who knows? Like, yeah. Um, I remember Kimball Walker coming out of UConn, and it's like the kid was a good, solid player. But his senior year, he takes over, and they yeah. they win the national championship. Takes over the entire tournament. Sure. Goes crazy. Same deal, first round pick. Same deal. Four years later with Shabazz Napier. Yeah, exact same and thing. He ended up having a terrible career, but he was a first round pick. And I, that senior year, and had. they were taller, obviously, than than Tremont Waters. But Shabazz Napier is exactly like. Tremont like five eleven, six foot, something like that. Literally right? a clone of Shabazz Napier, in my opinion. Yeah, I just think that you, these guys need to stick around. Like, if you're if you're not going to be, I, if you just don't like going to class, like that's the thing. Um, and I think Nas Reed was one where it was like it was obvious this was a one and done situation. Yeah. And he's got skills to play in the NBA. It he's was, on a roster it was now. Pretty surprising to me that he wasn't a first round pick. I know, but he, he finally got to be on the roster, which is like it solidifies his decision a little bit more. Yeah. But yeah, you got to be a first round pick, man. Like yeah. it's surprising to me that he wasn't because his the game that he had, he's athletic, six ten. I mean, what else are you looking for in the NBA right, right now? Right. I, mean, I think he's that, just young. Now, he, now he's I, starter it's probably of the it's probably young and like can't play defense. Mm-hmm. And it's like the same thing we're talking about with Watford. It's like these guys don't know how to move their feet yet. Yeah. Like. They're good with offense that's because true. that's what they practice, but they don't practice defensive stuff. Anyway, I, I if – all right. I would think um, if I just had to blindly guess, Emmett Williams is leaving. I think Javante Smart's coming back, and I think Watford's coming back. Darius Day's coming back. Um, Marlon Taylor? Oh, wait, Marlon Taylor's senior, never mind. Yeah, Marlon Taylor's gone. So I think so it would be only lose. Williams leaves early. So, so we lose Williams, Taylor, and Mays right. from last year's team. Right. And James Bishop, if anyone cares. James Bishop, yeah, he's gone. <laughs> That's another. That was one of those other like breaking LSU news tidbits <laughs> this week because there's so many of them. James Bishop is in the transfer <laughs> portal. Like, come on, get out of here, get out of here with all this. Like, yeah, we don't need any more James Bishops. On the team, we don't need any no. uh, shout out Stephen Miller. We don't need any uh, more Marshall Graves on the team. No. Um, let's get these let's get these guys out of there. Let's fill the roster with some guys who are ready to play. Graves on the team if he's the eleventh man on the team, and we can get him in. Yeah, in like the last two minutes, a couple threes, and yeah, and we're game. like Marshall Graves. Yeah, exactly. No, I yeah. love that guy. Hit the three. Don't want him in my my eight man rotation. No. <laughs> like, come on, let's get some guys in there. Let's get a ten man rotation yeah. a legit 10 man rotation and let's start pressing the hell that's out of something teams. we've talked about before with how we're so aggravated that like we we recruit at such a high level and yet we can only get a six seven rarely an eight man rotation yeah it's just so frustrating and i i do wonder next year if we're going to actually be able to maybe see a nine ten man rotation man i would love it and i, I love the way will wade gets these like um Bigger guards, um, six four to, to six five guards that that are long. Like Javante Smart's a great example of that. And I just think of when you're running that that diamond press and you have that guy in the front that's got that long reach. I, I think it's a perfect fit for what he tries. He wants to do. And I I keep going back to this. I think that he wants to do that press more um than he does now but he just doesn't have the rotation to do yeah, this exactly. and he's, he knows he's going to kill his guy and i don't think they're they were great defensively at all this year anyway no, to where not at all they were basically doing it out of necessity and i think he would rather do it like hey we're about to like take it to this team and be yeah. on the offense you know 
Um, so I guess that's our talk for LSU basketball um, this week. But, it, it, you know, we're bored right now. We're scratching and clawing for, for any kind of news or tidbits. But one of the things that we um, have been doing is watching old um, – old LSU games and right now we're on an old LSU basketball kick and I think I feel like we're about to switch gears to baseball here soon like I'm starting to watch some Works like for me I get into these YouTube rabbit holes and I'm I was watching a 1997 LSU baseball game and we were just like that was gorilla ball and we were just I mean well we maybe have to yeah, get actually, that you know I've never actually watched games from back then I've oh never gone God, back and Jack. watched those games Jack I mean it's just like I'm not gonna go back and watch an old baseball game you know? No, you just have to watch clips. Yeah, that's what I need to like, do. That's a good point. Brandon Larson. We need to do a Brandon Larson segment here soon, um, especially with it being being in April. Like, I think I think it's – I'm jonesing for some baseball right now, and it could be okay. any baseball. Like, on a Sunday, we're recording this right now on a Sunday, I would love to have an LSU baseball game right now. <sighs> it would be the best. Look at the weather outside right now. I know, now. it's perfect weather. It's I don't care if good. we lose. I, I don't up. care. I woke up this morning, I saw the weather, and I was like, God, I could be going to Alex Box at 1 o'clock, just chilling, eating a hot dog, yep. maybe having a beer now. That's right. You can have a beer now. Uh, Not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll have a beer here. We'll have a drink. Um, so uh, one of the games that we had uh, talked about, and last week we had talked about LSU, Loyola, Marymount in 1990. Um, so... We have another one that is a classic LSU basketball game um, and from 1989. Hmm? Two games. Two well, okay, yeah, we're going to talk about two games, actually, from uh, 1989 and 1990. Um, but here is our LSU Rewind segment coming at you now. This week on LSU Rewind, LSU basketball takes on UNLV in a 1989 classic. Okay, so LSU, UNLV, and those clips are obviously from the 1989 UNLV game, but it uh, led us on a rabbit hole also where we started talking about LSU, UNLV, 1990. Um, we win both of those games. Uh, what do you think about What do you think about 89? First of all, so 89, I have a both few. both were at both were at the Assembly Center. So I have a few notes here. Actually. Okay, so this is always interesting because um, I'm like. I think last week uh, somebody commented that you uh, didn't didn't know who Hank Gathers was, and yeah, they were like face palm. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I'm t- I'm trying. I'm doing everything I can to teach you. That's why we're doing this. Yes, exactly. I have to do this. I have to. Uh, I told him I'm doing the I Lord's like, work here. I like to tell people that I'm sort of a LSU encyclopedia sort of deal. Not yet. But like only 
only like, back to like, like 2007. Right. Um, so a few notes that I took were uh, I've heard people talk about Chris Jackson as like a Trey Young, Steph Curry, you know, Damian Lillard, like all those kind of guys. He mm-hmm. he was that guy in the 90s. Yes. This was the first time where like I watched a game and I saw that. Okay. And like really watched that happen because he completely took over that game. Man, Chris Jackson was just – and this is my favorite LSU basketball player of all time. And, yes, I think the Steph Curry analogy is very good where he can throw it up from anywhere at any time. Yeah. Um, some of his off-balance – you know, these are these are getting me watching these a little bit more than I, I probably have in a, in a while. But um, when I start watching them, it brings me all back where, you know, he would always do like a – a, a double crossover at the top of the key and throw up a three. But then there were sometimes he would drive on a guy and you would think he's about to take it to the hole and he just pulls it up and he's off balance and his legs are like in a weird position and it goes in like every yeah. freaking time. And I'm so like, incredible, man, it, 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 so it brings me to a little bit like, all right. So we beat UNLV, um, last second, three-pointer by by Blanton this was is, another note that I had yeah. I I had heard the name Ricky Blanton before I knew he was a basketball player I didn't know that he played <laughs> on the same team as Chris Jackson I didn't yes. know that they played together so his freshman year was 86 and we'll get to some 1986 basketball too because you need to learn okay. about 1986 because that we was when the we, final four that year right yes we went to I the final that. four um played he, Indiana no we lost to Louisville in the final four okay and um, to Purvis Ellison was the big player for Louisville back then. Okay. But um, we ended up beating Kentucky in the Elite Eight. And mm. Kentucky back then was, like, the best team pretty much. Uh, we had lost to Kentucky three times that year going into the tournament. And then we beat them in the Elite Eight. So we actually lost – we played Kentucky four times that year. Wow. So twice in the twice in the regular season, once in the SEC tournament, and then in the Elite Eight. Was that the year where we had the game against Kentucky where they – we had the 30-point lead and they came back? And no, no. What no, year was that? No, I don't even want to talk about it. That was mid-'90s. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> uh, I watched that one on ESPN. It was a rough, <laughs> rough night. Um, so, uh, all right, 80 – 86, I'll, we'll tell you about Ricky Blanton a little bit. He, that was his freshman year. He ends up going nuts against Kentucky in the Elite Eight. Okay. He was a freshman. Uh, and that was, there was a big highlight of him when he, he has, like, a tip back, mm-hmm. uh, makes it, and he's running down the floor. And, like, he's, like, his arms are, like, waving in the air like, like a madman. <laughs> and so that was his freshman year in 86. And then uh, he ends up getting hurt. Um, I don't think he even played in 87. And we ended up going back. We lost to Indiana in the Elite that Eight. That was the Indiana year. Okay. That, that was in the Elite Eight. Um, and then I think he may have played the, the next year. He had a couple of years where he didn't play. And Is it was, Dale he was Brown hurt. the coach this entire time? Yes, Dale Brown was always when, the coach. When did he start? Uh, uh, mid, uh, mid to late 70s. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, so 81, we go to the Final Four, and we should have won the whole thing. Uh, huh. We were we were one of the best teams in the country in 1981. So Dale Brown was like an elite recruiter, um, but he was a, he was a super big motivator, um, and but when he had players, he didn't really he wasn't good at X's and O's. I heard I've heard somebody equate this to Les Miles, like great mm-hmm. recruiter, media darling, 
Yeah. Everybody loves the guy, but when it came to like X's and O's, wasn't good. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the Ed Orgeron comparison until just until recently. yeah until yeah we we actually have an offense. Yeah. But um, so that's kind of the story on Dale Brown. But so you anyway, know Ricky Blanton ends up coming to his senior year, and it's Chris Jackson is his freshman year, and Chris Jackson is just like it's so, just so obvious that Chris Jackson's the man. Um, I think it was like the fifth or sixth game of the season. That they actually played Florida at Florida that year. and it Dropped 50-something points. 53 something. against Florida. It takes over the game. Um, I mean, just hitting shots from all over the place. Yeah. And the the announcers barely even know who he is because he's a freshman. He was a McDonald's All-American guy. But, like, it's obvious that this guy's like, probably the best player in the country. <laughs> <laughs> and he's barely a freshman. So – that year, he averaged Chris Jackson had averaged over thirty points, and then Ricky Blanton averaged twenty points a game. So there, was, that was like the whole team. They had fifty points a game That's between crazy. those guys. So um, the UNLV game, though, he go Chris Jackson goes off, and I think it was that last play where they try to trap Chris Jackson at the end of the backcourt. Yeah, and he gets the ball out, and, and Chris Jackson makes this crazy save. Yep, gets it to somebody in the middle of, middle of the court. They get it up to Ricky Bland, and he drains a three with three seconds left or something like that. Yep, and that's a huge win. Like, UNLV that How year. How was UNLV in 89? I know they won the championship the next year, but. Um, I don't know how far they went, but they were really good. I mean, they had Stacey Augman, Anderson Hunt. You had some big-time guys on that team. Stacey Augman's a first-round NBA yeah, guy. Um, the next year is when they got – Larry Johnson, which he, uh, we can talk, we'll talk about him in a sure. second. But like, yeah, they were still really good. I think when they beat UNLV, UNLV was maybe fifteenth in the country, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, their other big win that year, LSU, was Georgetown. Um, right. So earlier that year, they have their Georgetown had Alonzo Mourning. They played it in the Superdome, and it was like massive crowd. There were I think it was like sixty five thousand people or something like that in the Superdome watching this game. And there was a, a put back at the end by Ricky Blanton to win the game. And it was like a huge – Georgetown was like number two in the country. Wow. So, they they played a couple of teams that year and beat them um, and just showed you like, okay, it's really like Chris Jackson, Ricky Blanton, and then you got like – you had Vernell Singleton, you had Wayne Sims. Then you got like Dennis Tracy. So, Dennis Tracy is like your Marshall Graves, Okay. <laughs> like, I mean, you, you don't have anybody on this team. Like, for them to be able to play with these teams was very impressive. Um, but it got us to thinking about 1990, okay? So, all of a sudden, Shaquille, Stanley Roberts, um, Maurice Williamson. So, right. Stanley Roberts and Maurice Williamson were what they called Prop 48 guys. They, they had to sit out the 88-89 year because of grades. So if they couldn't make their grades, they would sit out a year and then they would play the next year as sophomores. Oh. So Stanley Roberts and Maurice Williamson were both sophomores huh. that if they had their grades right, they could have played in 88, 89, but they didn't. So, um, yeah, those guys come in and it's okay, like, well, that makes a lot more sense. Cause I was looking at that recruiting class that we had that year with Shaq and Stanley Roberts. Yeah, and Stanley Roberts was like a year before Shaq. God, that's the most insane recruiting class I've ever seen. So the Shaq Shaq documentary that he talks about Stanley Roberts a little bit where it's Stanley Roberts did not want to go to school. Like, he didn't go to class. 
His grades were terrible. He wanted to go out and party all the time. Mm-hmm. He was lazy in practice, but he was just like way more gifted than even Shaquille was yeah. as a as a young like sophomore. You, you can or freshman. see it in those games too. I mean, he could take over if you wanted yeah. to. Like he he had legit skills in the post, where if you got him the ball, he could do a turnaround jump shot. Like he looks like a ten year vet. He was like a top five pick in the NBA, NBA draft, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, uh, and he left. Or something? He left right after. I think he couldn't make his grades the following year, and ended up leaving after that. So, but so in 90, 1990, we played uh, UNLV again. UNLV has Larry Johnson. Um, we beat UNLV again. Yeah, and I, so I actually so when going into this, I. Uh, I knew that UNLV was like crazy good that year, and they won the national championship and all that. Mm-hmm. So I was I went into this game assuming that we lost actually. Okay. <laughs> and then when we we're up by eight at halftime, I was like, "Holy shit! Wait, what's going on?" Right. And then I was like, "Wait, why didn't we make the Final Four that year?" <laughs> oh, I had man. all these questions popping into my head after that because then I know that the very next game that we beat Loyola Marymount. I think it was two games after. Two I looked up the schedule. Yeah. So here's within a, five days later. Craziest thing about this to me is that we that UNLV game in 1990. We were we were playing a back to back, like we played Florida the day before in the Assembly Center, beat them by 18. We come back the next day to play UNLV. I think they were like number five in the country then or something like that. But like beat UNLV and then he played. I think it was like Georgia. And then you play. Then there's the Loyola Marymount game. Here's another note I wrote down about 1990. Mm-hmm. I I wrote. I'll quote exactly what I wrote. I didn't know the PMEC can get this loud. Oh my God! <laughs> I like, had no idea that that was possible. Man, I've never it seen that. Used to be off the chain in there. That's I've, why it's like so frustrating now. And it's like it's not the same. Yeah. And um, I remember when I was in school. I mean, that was John Brady years where, you know, you had like, um. Stro Miles Swift and guys like that, and you know um, Jabari Smith uh, with a behind the back dunk kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. th- there was some like pop off moments that I remember. Um, yeah, so I was also at the LSU Duke game in 1992, and that was Shaquille's junior year. It's Christian Leitner, right? Christian Leitner and Duke was like the team. Right. Um, it was a tickets. My dad got them for my for a Christmas present. Nice. <laughs> so I think it was the 92, 93 years what it was, but okay. uh, that game was the loudest I've ever heard it in the assembly center. Uh, we ended up taking the lead in the second half, but then Christian Leitner start, what Christian Leitner did was just brilliant. Yeah. He pulled the ball out and he started hitting threes on Shaq. That's right. And Shaq was still standing in the lane and wouldn't come out. Um, and Christian Leitner knew it. Like, Christian Leitner was a dominant college basketball player because he was tall, he had size, and he could shoot. And he just kind of – anyway. I, I Actually, I know about that game because of the I Hate Christian Leitner documentary. Yeah, yeah. That's where I saw that game. Right. That basically made it to where – And we lost that game by like a point, something like that? No, it was like – I think they ended up pulling out probably oh, really? like nine, ten points okay. at the end. But – um. Because they, if Duke got ahead on we were, you, we were like up at halftime though, right? Yeah, we were up a lot of the game, um, and Shaq was pretty dominant that game still too. I remember but. they talk them, them talking about that game on the documentary, and they're like, and now Christian Leitner has to go into this 
like ruckus crowd against Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, it was like they, it was big time, man. They built it up so cool in the documentary. Yeah, it was great. That's a great documentary. That was a really good. The, one. I that hate Christian Leitner because I literally hated Christian Leitner. <laughs> and it's like so the the Kentucky Duke game that draws brings me back to that one where they throw the the like baseball pass to Christian Leitner. And he catches it at the free throw line, and he does, and it's like a two point six seconds left or something. And he does like a a fake to the right, and then a turnaround, and it's mm-hmm. like all pretty. And I'm like, can somebody get a fucking hand on this guy? <laughs> like, can you guard it. the fucking inbound pass? <laughs> like, what are we doing, dude? I hated it. I hated it. And of course he's gonna drill it. Right. Like, come on, man. I, I hate. I can't stand watching guys like that sometimes. Like when they're not on my team. Uh. Cause it's like it doesn't look like they're doing very much, but they're so technically sound. I know that they're just unguardable. Oh, and he was smart. Like yeah. the kid was smart. Now the the only problem with that was um, the the dream team that year for the Olympics. They picked Christian Leitner right. to go as the instead one college guy instead of Shaq. Just like come on, yeah, I get it. Like Christian Leitner was, I, I don't even know if he wasn't even the player of the year. I don't think that year. I think Shaq was, but like he's a good player, but. NBA wise, come on, right. it, Shaq is Shaq belongs on that team. Yeah, oh, oh, that's yeah. ridiculous. Can you imagine? Like Shaq, Shaq should have been on the fucking dream team. Yeah, that would have been so. That cool would have been Shaq awesome. Would have been on that team. And Shaq, I like, like, but I mean, he probably wouldn't have even made much of a difference on the team because that team was just so outrageous. So, so the nineteen ninety UNLV game, uh, Larry Johnson. Uh, you didn't really know too much about Larry Johnson, right? Uh, I had heard his name before, and I had heard. I remember he was also in the Fab Five documentary because Michigan played against UNLV at some point in the tournament, I think, or something. No. Or Larry Johnson was at some point mentioned in that doc, or maybe he was mentioned in the Christian Leitner documentary or something. Probably the Christian Leitner one, yeah, because they ended up having a thing with Duke. Maybe um, that's what it was. I, I watched yeah. him in one of those Thirty for Thirties. And uh, so I I knew he was like a beast, dude. He was like a football player playing basketball. That's actually that's actually something interesting. So they had his mom on the uh, in the, in the um, in the game that I watched, and they interviewed his mom, and she goes, "Yeah, I always thought he should have played football. He was such a good mm. linebacker and quarterback. He could see over the defense, and he's had such a good. Oh, arm. He's like six eight, six nine. Yeah, like and yeah, and then I think it was uh, Cheryl Miller that was interviewing her, and mm. she goes. Well, I'm glad he's playing basketball because he's having a hell of a game right now. Man, he went to the Knicks um, out of college, and, like, he was really good for the Knicks. But, like, I always thought he could have been better. But um, in college – Did he play with Patrick Ewing? Yeah, with Patrick Ewing. And then they had – They had – I forget the guy's name. They ended up going to the NBA Finals one year. Yeah. uh, Played San Antonio. guard. I always forget his name. I do too. But anyway, um, so in college though, he was just like an animal. And in that game, he Shaquille was in the in the in the paint, and there was a couple like must have been three times. Um, he would throw up like a. First of all, he would bully guys, and he would he would even put his shoulder into Shaq and like push him in, and yeah. then he would do like a little jump shot, and Shaq would catch it like right at the peak and like throw it into the crowd. Mm-hmm. And they, of course, it was goaltending or whatever. Um, but it was like that was the way you went to Shaq. You just drove on Shaq, mm-hmm. and like guys like that and guys like Hank Gathers, they knew like 
they knew how to like get into yeah, Shaq in a little bit, especially his freshman right. year. Well, even in like his junior, he was still getting foul trouble all the time. Mm-hmm. But it's like that's the only way to to play against a guy like that. Yeah. I mean, Shaq was just so dominant. Yeah. But Chris Jackson he was, he was had their number. Everything he was. I mean, I that was that was crazy to hear at the very beginning of the game. He gets a block and he go in the. Uh, I think it was Dick Vitale was the commentator for the game actually. And, yeah. Uh, he goes, well, Shaq already has the SEC single game block record, so we don't have to worry about that. And it was like he's like 17 years old. <laughs> oh right. I mean, it's just yeah, the amount of talent that we had on that team, and then uh, I know we talked about this last week, but we went to the tournament and we lost to Georgia Tech. And I was doing some reading ever I, ever since last week. I started reading up on that team a little bit more, and um. We we I think we got hosed a little bit in our our seed was probably right I think we were a five seed that year and we won mm-hmm. the first round and we ended up playing uh, Georgia Tech who was a four seed right. well Georgia Tech won the ACC that year and that what they were saying was they they should have been higher than a four seed mm-hmm. and we shouldn't have been matched up with them and it ended up making this like killer matchup in the second round yeah. so Georgia Tech had like their best best team ever with Dennis Scott and Kenny Anderson. They had like some studs on the team. Um, Dennis Scott, I know that name actually. Yeah. And I think um, I read on that game a little bit more where uh, Chris Jackson fouls out with like two and a half minutes left. Oh really? Um, And we had the lead, um, but Georgia tech ended up coming back and we were down by three at the end and like tried to hit a three. No Chris Jackson. He didn't have Chris Jackson, so Mo Williamson tried to hit a three and misses it, and we ended up losing by three. But it was like 94 to 91. Like, Jeez. it was not uncommon That's, to have 100 to 100 or whatever it was. There's another note that I had. Uh, the Like, it wasn't just that Loyola Marymount game with the super – I mean, granted, that game was outrageously fast pace of play. Yeah. But the pace of, the pace of play in this 1990 UNLV, UNLV game was – Crazy fast too. Yeah, they were called the Running Rebels. Yeah, so <laughs> that's, still like, their, that's still their t- team name. Yeah, and so that was crazy when UNLV had to play Loyola Marymount. Right. And oh, I'm sure that game was nuts. It was, but Loyola Marymount obviously only has one style. Y- you don't run like you don't run with UNLV either. Like right. they're meant, they want to run, um, and LSU really did too. I think LSU's problem was really defensively that year. Like, they were so young. Um, and, again, Dale Brown wasn't a great X's and O's guy. Mm-hmm. But then he would have teams that were, like, so underachieving, like the 86 and 87 teams, and we'll talk about them more later on. But, like, they're, they didn't have, like, studs on those. They had a couple of good guys on those teams. Uh, but for whatever recruiting reasons or whatever, they ended up being like shorthanded a little bit in those teams. And he ended up coming up with the freak defense. And it was like a matchup zone kind of defense. And it would drive teams nuts in the NCAA tournament. They had no idea what was going on. Um, it was stuff like that that he was really good at. But then when it came to like diagramming like offensive plays for like a team that was loaded, like the 90 team, it nothing to be, nowhere to be found. Uh-huh. And it was like, there was clips of him like. Yeah, they would they would go into a huddle um, on a timeout, and there would be clips of them like with them being mic'd up, saying, "We're gonna win this game," and it be basically being very motivating, but not not drawing up a play at all. Right. <laughs> it's like, okay, this this is a disconnect here. Yeah, sure. So, 
Um, well, I thought that was fun to kind of look at those games, and we kind of want some input on like some future games. But I think I think we could pro- probably have some baseball that we want to maybe look at, and maybe we'll do a couple of things. We'll do like baseball, maybe like a basketball. I don't know. We can kind of fill in the gaps yeah, however I'm, we can. I'd, I'd love to watch some football too. Yeah, football I'm for sure. Down to watch old football games. Uh, how far back do we want to go? As old as eighties. Eighties. Uh, far back as I can see the game clearly. How about that? <laughs> uh, yeah, it, that was a like, thing. It's like when you get into like the seventies, it's like okay, I can't even. All right, this so is, I was on YouTube. I was on YouTube the other day, and I had potato. a I had a nineteen eighty seven basketball game up, and then I I turn it to the night a nineteen eighty nine basketball game, mm-hmm. and I was like. The technology improvements yeah. from 87 to 89 sure. were massive, right? So, actually, I did this thing last year where, like, I did this, like, countdown to the football season. I just did it by myself, and I watched uh, every LSU football game uh, since – like, I, I wouldn't watch, like, the entire game for every single time, but mm-hmm. uh, I would watch every single game since, like, 2005 or something like that. Yeah. And – it was so fun to like when he got when, to when HD, I got like to 2005 to 2006. It's like wow, I can see the game. Now. <laughs> and then at like 2006, 2007, it's like wow, now I can really see the oh, game. And then, yeah, like, and yeah. then I got all the way to 2018, and I was like, oh my gosh, I know, I can't believe I was watching those 2005 games. Oh, I love watching these old 80s games though, um, and I love the ones where the commercials are still in the game. Yeah, yeah, the those commercials the were in the game for this one, and it was like some. There was like some Pontiac commercial. Or something oh, Honda! Like there was a Honda Accord commercial, and it was like the first Accord, <laughs> and it was like this is like the state of the art car. <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah, it was so bad. <laughs> and then I, that was actually another thing. The commentating back then was terrible. Oh man, I, I hated love it. it. So you had Dick Vitale, and then uh, what was it? Dick Vitale both years. Keith Jackson did one call. I don't, I don't remember call. who it was in the 89 game because I only was able to find like an eight-minute clip for that. Um, and the 88 game was um, – the 89 game was uh, Brent Musburger and was uh, I thought I Billy Packer. It was Br- Billy Packer. Okay. So Billy Packer was the guy who did like all the big CBS games back then. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, it was like – just like Dick Vitale was just saying like – just like the simplest stuff I've ever heard. He was like – I can't remember exactly what he said, but he was just saying like Really basic, like basketball fundamental stuff. Well, you'll never have to worry. You'll never have to worry about Dick Vitale ever coming back here again. Here's there's another note that I wrote. It was really funny because this was like two days after Dick Vitale tweeted again about how like LSU fans should be disgusted and like basketball programs a sham. Right. Um, it was really funny listening to him be like. This LSU basketball program, they're freaking Yeah, incredible. how much money do you Maybe. think we paid Chris Jackson, Shaquille O'Neal, Stanley Roberts? Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah. Dick knows what's going on. He knows the game. He's just trying to, like, either back up for his boy or he's trying to um, pick on the new guy mm-hmm. uh, because it's easy to do. Um, now, we'll go back to that. Will Wade should not ever fucking be on a tape again. Like, don't do that. Please. Um Figure out another way, but like, let, let no way should Mitchell you ever be or something like you that. Put yourself in that kind of position for crying out loud. Um, that's the only damning thing to this whole the whole argument was was that. But sure, yeah, do it like Dale Brown did. Yeah, 
Whatever I think he got Johnny on. Jones. Johnny Jones was his bag man. Really? Yeah. How about that? That was the Lester Earl yeah, stuff. Thought, that all came out from back then. When did Johnny Jones play? He played in the 80s. Yeah, that was uh, 82, 83-ish, I think. Oh, okay. I thought he played closer to the 90s than that. It was him, Jordy Holtberg, those guys. Oh, Jordy Holtberg. Okay. Yep. 81. Well, I mean, I was only three in 1981. But, um, I mean, I've heard a lot of stories. Dad always tells stories about the 81 team. And that was Rudy Macklin and those guys. Yeah. And they were really no, good. No, I actually didn't know that Jordy Holtberg was a basketball player. Yeah, he played on the 81 player. team. Oh, okay. Now, he was a good shooter, hmm. like big time. The blonde bomber it's, is what they call it. It's fun. Like when I'm watching an old game, I was watching an old uh, – I think we were playing at Georgia or something in 87. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ruffin Rodrigue like got oh, yeah, for yeah. like pushing a guy after the play. And I was like, oh, for my football God, game, Ruffin yeah. Rodrigue. <laughs> yeah, Ruffin, yep. Oh, rough. All right. Well, I think we'll get back to that one and we'll figure out some new games to watch. So um, hit us up on Twitter, one team, one pod, or uh, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram as well. And we'll probably be posting a couple a couple of things to, to see if we can get some opinions or, or any uh, questions or comments. Um, what else we got? We got uh, the Coach O press conference. Uh, it's yeah, like, he, uh, what, 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 what else are we filling? He was on off the bench. Uh, he said a couple. Oh, not a press conference. That's right. He was on the show. Yeah, in the he, was, um, he said uh, he said Miles Brennan's up to two twenty or two nineteen was the number he said. Believe it when which I, I see know it. You don't. You I don't, don't believe, believe that crap. But I, I the kids like I, fly I think, fishing out there and with his <laughs> blonde hair waving in the wind. He's about one eighty five right now. He's not one eighty five. Shut up. I, I think it, he's at least two ten if they say two nineteen. There's no way he's 20 pounds under what they're saying. Dude, I'm know? 220. There's no way this kid's the same weight as me. There's no way. He's also, what, five inches taller than you? I don't care. I don't care. I can throw that kid. I can throw that kid from here to the, the end of the wall right now. He's got a big enough arm. He could probably throw you, too. Probably could. That dude's got I mean, I don't doubt his arm strength. I just uh, – stop, stop with this whole, like, uh, Miles Brennan – weight campaign that we're on where we're always trying to like am, get him you, you know for sure too that he's tired of hearing it too oh miles brennan yeah that absolutely might, that might just be why they're saying the coach o probably is too that maybe just be why they're saying 220 so well it just throws it out there i think to hit it off especially yeah. now that they know you're not going to be able to see these kids for a while like so it can kind of say whatever you want right yeah. now and kind of um uh, dictate the narrative a little bit but yeah. um uh, what what else what other uh Huge notes that we get out of that. <laughs> yeah, that was that was probably the biggest news that I got out of that. Even though it's like hardly even news. Uh, he said he thinks this football season's happening. Uh, take that for what it's worth. Well, Trump's gonna make it happen, Trump my said friend. It too. That's right. Dabo said it too. Oh, Dabo! Oh my God! Yeah, Dabo said it. That guy. It's gotta be true. <sighs> Dabo's the biggest douchebag I've ever heard in my life. Although, actually, so this was something I want to talk about about Miles Brennan. Um, let's let's assume he is at two twenty. Do you th- you think he's completely ready for SEC play? Yeah, I do. So? I, I agree. I, I don't. I I just don't think he's going to be. I mean, we talked about this a couple weeks ago too. I just don't think he's going to be as accurate or anything like that as Joe Burrow. But I agree. I, I, honestly, just off of what I've barely seen of the guy. Knowing our offense, and if our offense stays the same, that's the biggest question I think that anybody has is like, of course, his offense was spectacular last year. You wouldn't mess with that, right? You wouldn't change anything up, right? So if you don't, there's no reason why this kid can't throw for 3,500-plus yards, 30 touchdowns. 
And I think... Uh, and that's think, like half of what Joe Burrow did, basically. Yeah. And I think <laughs> adding Linehan, too, is actually really going to help Miles Brennan. Because you think about the guys that Linehan has worked with, like Matt Stafford, just a, a guy with like a cannon of an arm, same as Miles Brennan. Like, that's basically the kind of offense we're going to run now. I mean, maybe not. We're still going to do what we did last year, but in terms of past concepts, he's going to want us to chuck it deep. Cause that's yeah, what they do. I, to me, just don't change it up and just know, like, in-game situations – that's where I want Linehan is like the Joe Brady role of like okay here's what we need to do because the safety's coming down we need mm-hmm. to match up the we need to match up Chase on this and we can run yeah. this route concept. That's what I want him to do. Yeah. Don't f with the offense. No, I like you know they're not going to let him do that. I would hope not, and I'm sure they're they, not. But you know for sure that they wouldn't have hired him if they thought he might do that. Yeah, and I think that's really why Ensminger's in place mm-hmm. and the way he is right now is right. like you have. Ensminger was in on those interviews too. Right. Right. So, I, I have I have full confidence that the offense is going to stay the same. It's just, you know, the new quarterback question. I think is, it's more about the accuracy than anything else. Can Can Miles Brennan make the decisions like Joe Burrow made? And you're just living up to this huge standard that. And hopefully he doesn't feel that pressure. I don't think he does. I don't think, I think he does either. I think he's, I think he's a cocky ass Brennan kid from New Orleans who wants so. to prove everybody how good he is. And fact, I love that, the by the way. The fact that he's stuck around since, like, he could have transferred, like, three or four times. Yeah, and I don't think – I think he loves LSU and he wanted to be here. And I think – I mean, he's a New Orleans kid. Like, he mm-hmm. wants to be here. Yeah. It's probably in his blood. And I think that he comes off, like, brash a little bit. I mean, I think it's more of his hair and all that. And he's, like, yeah. a pretty kid and all mm-hmm. that. But I think he's got some toot to him, and I'm just anxious to kind of see that. Yeah, um, you know he's going to be fiery. I think he will, and I, I just want to see it more because uh-huh. um, that's what I loved about Burrow, and I thought that's what kind of galvanized the entire yeah. team yeah. was his, his like moxie, his moxie and yeah. moxie. It's such a great word. It's a good word. It's, it I love saying. Him, I love saying. I love. Burrow, yeah, so. I know. Like if there's moxie in the dictionary, it's going like, to be Joe Burrow. Cockiness for him because like that feels like I'm like saying he's an asshole. I don't think he's I like same. cockiness uh, for a quarterback like that. I dude, give me it, give it all to me. Yeah. Go go to um, Texas, win the game, and wave your hand in the air sure. to the stand. I inject it into my veins. Like he he, he mooned <laughs> Mississippi State. That's how cocky. Yeah, he is. right. On purpose. Right. On purpose. We put our logo on that ass. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so all right well next we'll next week we'll get into some more lsu talk we'll have another lsu rewind and uh again hit us up on uh facebook instagram and twitter twitter is one team one pod um and just let us know if you guys have any other thoughts and concerns or any questions you might have for the next show and we'll see you next week Rockin' the boat, you get